Welcome to Becoming Iconic, a global multimedia and mentorship brand that will lift you into having the most exceptional lifestyle and business. I am your host, Jen Spiegel, and as a mom of four, a seven-figure high-performance mentor, editor of a magazine, and the host of this top podcast, I have a lot to share with you. This podcast has been created to talk about all of those things that will support you in both your life, business, as well as leadership. I believe in having a life and business that gives you ultimate fulfillment, and this gets to be your reality. That's why most conversations here will shift many of the paradigms that you've likely been participating in. Be ready to be stretched in both your thinking and in your doing. You will hear advice and wisdom from my 16 plus years of experience building businesses globally alongside of raising a family. And you'll also hear from many other industry moguls. Don't forget to follow on your favorite social media platform. It's simply Becoming Iconic. And while you're there, check out the most recent edition of the Becoming Iconic magazine. I just want you to know something. You're in the right place. And I want to thank you for being here. Hello, my friends. We're back. And I have a very special guest. This is Michelle Fishering, who is not only a dear friend, but also a private client. And we were we were very attracted to one another. And I can say with all honesty, she is one of the most gorgeous conversationalists I've ever met. We have very deep, meaningful conversation, really what she's going to talk to you about today. I mean, she is an advocate for it. It's a value of hers. And I feel like she just draws that out of people, but she is just an exceptional human being coming from operation manager for very large wineries now into owning her very own publishing company, Chambre Blue. There's a beautiful story behind that. She's going to share it with you. So any of you listening, if you've ever at any point had a tug or an inclination to write a book, whether that's a biography, a personal growth and development, something tactical or strategic in terms of business, I could not recommend Michelle and her publishing company enough. She's absolutely phenomenal. And I wanted her to come on the podcast because we've never done one on Becoming Iconic about actually publishing a book. And I am sure there are some of you right now going, what? Publish a book? How did she know? I've been thinking about this. So I wanted Michelle to come on here today and really provoke you into activating that dream. And without further ado, you must go follow her. She will be someone who really enlightens you today. Michelle, I am so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Jen, I'm so honored to be here. I've been listening to your podcast for so long, and it just feels a little surreal to actually be interviewed here. <laughs> so thank you so much it's for perfect. having me. It's absolutely perfect. And there could be no more perfect time. I feel like so many people are really looking to close this year with lots of momentum, but we're also starting to cast a vision for the year ahead and what do we want to create? And so I feel like this podcast is so timely. I'd love to start with the idea of Chandra Blue, because when you shared this with me during a conversation, I was salivating. I mean, I just, I want to be in that room. So I would love people to better understand what that means, because when people understand how thoughtful you are with everything you do, this is going to help them connect even more. So would you mind telling us the story of Chandra Blue and how you came up with this beautiful company name? I would, I would love to. Um, okay. So <clears throat> Chambre Bleu was, um, is named in honor of, uh, a very iconic 
17th century French salon. And um, it was started by a woman, Catherine de Vivon. She was this sort of introverted, um, introverted but but social human who was very tired of the the frivolity of court life. It was this this sense of just superficiality and gossip and drama, and that was what that was what defined the experience when you went to court. And at that time, that's what you did with your days, right? Like the nobility spent their days at court, and she didn't like going. So instead, she created in her home a space where she wouldn't. She invited writers, thinkers, artists, um, and then also nobility. So this is like aristocracy. So this was a place where everyone came together in this room in her home to share ideas and to have beautiful conversation. And in fact, the concept of conversation as we know it today was really defined in that room and then in the subsequent rooms from from women who hosted similar um, experiences over time. So this was actually, it became a trend and it became something that there there are are several um, throughout history, um, starting from the 17th century, going through the French Revolution. Um, And so not to go too far on a rabbit hole of history there, But I love, first of all, that it's hosted by a woman in a time when women had no power, right? Here was a space that was run by a woman that had this sense of equality of everyone's invited. The only requirement is that you want to indulge in this deep and beautiful exploratory conversation. They had, there were, you know, codes of behavior, right? So there, you know, Everyone has a different opinion and that's great. And we all talk about our different opinions. There was not this sense of, you know, like you can only, you know, those restrictions like we feel today sometimes about what you can and can't say. Um, and it was just, just a beautiful expression. So that is, um, and I'm sorry, I didn't clarify the space that they hosted, that she hosted this in was a room that was painted blue and they called it the blue room because at the time um, using blue in your home decor was not really not really done, and so she also bucked a trend there, and you know challenged the status quo about what what what's done and what's not done. So anyway, she's just a really a really interesting figure. Um, and what was really inspiring to me at first was this idea of conversation, because for me, what I want out of my life is more beautiful conversation curl up on a couch with a friend. Sometimes it's even better when it's somebody, a stranger, right? And you curl up on the couch and you have a cup of coffee or a glass of champagne and your conversation just starts and then it ebbs and it flows and it winds. And next thing you know, it's been hours and you've uncovered parts of your soul that you didn't even know needed to be expressed and you've seen into their soul and all of a sudden you've taken, you know, a stranger or a friend, but, and you've just truly seen each other and you've grown as a human for that experience. And to me, like, that's the kind of conversation I want to be having. And I want to be having more of those conversations every day. I want to be having those conversations. (laughs) Um, And so that was really the inspiration behind all of this. 
doesn't everybody listening in want to go to genre blue and have meaningful conversation? I'm so tired of the surface conversations that people participate in over and over and over again. And my tolerance for it is getting less and less. It's a really interesting thing. And I, I sometimes wonder, is it like age? Is it wisdom? But then I also think, no, I think it's discernment and really just understanding myself and my values more. So thank you for being our modern day, you know, salonier and really <laughs> cultivating this as a culture within your company, because I firmly believe we need more of this, more opportunity to share our thoughts, our opinions, our ideas in a way that's not, we're not in fear of judgment or being silenced and instead have someone on the other side of that conversation provoke us a little bit and, you know, nudge us a little bit and, and dig deeper with ideas. I, oh, it's like my love language. So I think this is beautiful. How does this translate now into your publishing company? So you had this vision of meaningful conversation. How did you move from that into publishing? Okay. So in some ways it seems like out of left field, right? (laughs) Um, But I have been a passionate reader since I was, I learned to read when I was four. I've been a passionate reader my entire life, which then translated into um, a master of fine arts in creative writing, um, a book coaching certification. I had a a sort of side hustle for a while while I was you know, still in my director of operations role um, as a book coach, helping people write their write their books. Um, and for me, books are this beautiful way of expressing ideas and engaging in conversation at scale, I guess, to use a term that, you know, to use a term that, that is used in entrepreneurship, right? Because of what a book is, a good book, a great book is a conversation between the author and the reader. And so when you author a book and it goes out into the, I mean, think about how many more souls you're touching with your words. Think about how many more conversations you're engaging with in than you can possibly, you know, in life verbally. And so to me, books have always held that. And when I had this clarity around what do I want more of in my life, and it was profound conversation, I want more profound conversation. It was a matter of days between that realization and the realization that the, that the work that I get to do is to bring, bring more books into the world which is, you know, again, that, that way of, of truly expanding and impacting and impacting other humans' lives through, through the written word. I felt like the, the really cool thing about being in publishing is it, it lets me bring my whole self into my work. So it's the writing and the books and, you know, I get how books work, but beyond that, I'm also a strategist. I have been in business operations for 15 years and I love it and I'm great at it. And so I didn't want to just do the creative work and I didn't want to just do the 
you know, the operations and the logistics and the behind the scenes stuff. So it was like a, a lightning bolt out of the sky, right? I saw this vision of what I could bring all of that into, into one space and help people birth books, help them use their books to, it was really an asset in their business, help them impact readers by truly creating profound conversation versus the alternative, which I call like, you know, contributing to the noise, right? I mean, there's so much noise out there. And to me, noise is is it the equivalent of that kind of superficiality and that shallow conversation that doesn't really add anything. It doesn't really create anything and it doesn't really impact people, you know, in any kind of positive way. It's really just a distraction versus an enrichment. And so for me, it was like, this is a way, this is how we enrich people's lives. And I love that it's all encompassing because I would imagine that's not very common in the book publishing industry. I'm sure they're the coaches that help you, you know, bring that concept to life, but then there's somebody else you hire to publish and somebody else you hire to do the creative aspects, somebody else you hire to do the marketing and promotions. So there's lots of hands and lots of opinions, maybe even conflicting opinions within that experience. What I know I love is a place where I can lean in on someone I trust and have that person guide me from start to finish. And so I'm imagining that this is uncommon. Is that true? A hundred percent. Yes. And it's actually interesting because I had this, um, I had this realization actually the other day that because I don't have a background in publishing, like I actually believe that that is the number one thing I bring to the table is that I don't have a background in publishing. So I don't have a preconceived notion of how it has to be, right? This is just, this is what the industry is. This is how it works. And this is what it looks like to be a publisher. No, as an outsider, I got to come into the space and see what it could be. How could I truly serve authors in a way that is unheard of in the publishing industry? Publishers, I'm not going to say all publishers and paint with that broad brush, but publishers in general are not known for being, you know, author centric, right? They don't, it's not about the author. And for me, it's like, I get to serve authors. I get to pour into them and support at every step of their journey from idea development, writing their book, actually producing the physical, you know, the actual book, um, marketing, the sales, the distribution, the, um, you know, what I call sort of optimizing or integrating your book into your business. And then the what's next, what happens after you've published your book and we've launched it and it's out in the world. Is it your speaking career? Is it a pivot into a new, a new and maybe bigger version of your business where maybe you were a service provider before and you're writing this book to sort of launch maybe more of a mentorship coaching role because you've, you know, you have 20 years, <laughs> you have 20 years of experience in entrepreneurship and business. And now you're feeling called to talk to people about leadership and about, you know, creating something that is, that stands the test of time. And, and, you know, right. So you want to show up in this different way. I, I can hold all of that. And that's what I get to do. 
And so I got to look at an industry and I got to say what's missing and what's not working and what doesn't make sense. And I got to come into that space and say, why does it have to be that way? And I'm all about the uh, asking better questions. Like that's, if there's one lesson I've learned in 2022, it's ask better questions. And that was how I, that's how I got to ask a better question on the subject. I appreciate that so immensely. There's a teachable within this, even if someone's not interested in publishing a book and I hope you heard it. So I just want to maybe tell it through my own lens as well is many of us come into an industry and try to fit into an existing industry. So the way things are done. And that was my experience in the coaching industry. I was doing graphics and launching programs and doing things the way the industry standard was. And my whole body, even though I was integral, I was doing things that I wanted to teach. Like there was, there wasn't a lack of integrity. There was just maybe a lack of alignment with the way it was being done creatively. And I remember saying to myself, I'm actually rather than pioneering a new way, I'm just trying to box myself again into the way. And it was when I gave myself that permission that everything expanded and it exploded really. And so I'm looking forward to that with you because that to me is the type of person I want to be led by because you're thinking big vision. You're thinking, how can we be smarter? How can we be more productive? How can we be more effective? How can we do things in a way that makes people stop and pay attention? And I am so grateful that you are leading your business that way. I just want to make sure people hear that, that you don't need to fit into an industry to be successful. As a matter of fact, if something's not feeling correct, do it your way and set yourself apart and let the industry start to follow your standards. Yes. Oh, Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I had to riff on that for a second because that's a really big lesson. And I wondered how many people picked up on that versus just thinking about writing a book. There was a big lesson for everybody in that. So here's what I know for sure. I mean, I I love what you stand for, your leadership, the concept, the the education and training that you have to back all of this up. Your expertise is incredible. So for me, of course, I'm thinking this is my person, but I know what holds people back all the time. We know this. It's this like fear, this self-limitation, the feelings of I don't have enough time or how will I do this with all the other things I'm doing. So I have to believe there's somebody listening right now who's feeling that, who's like feeling the urge to reach out, but then also is so fearful of what that means for them. Could you give us advice of what you would recommend for someone who has that seed planted in their soul for a book, but isn't acting upon that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's something like 80 something percent of, of people want to write a book or feel called to write a book or say one day I'm going to write a book. Really, I mean, it's resistance, right? That's what, well, that's what holds us back is that fear. So I'm going to start with the statement that I made earlier, which is, you know, asking a better question, learning to look at things a little differently because, you know, it feels impossible bringing a book into the world because it's actually much more than just, you know, writing is just one piece of it, but 
we're told that we have to do it alone. This is eminent. There's there's a few there's a few reasons why it feels so hard, right? It feels impossible because we're told that we have to do it alone. And there's the myth of, I mean, the writing world is is filled with a mythology that is just so outdated. So there's that. That's a soapbox for another day. But it's one of the big one of the big myths is this, like, right the the Walden Pond and the, you know, I'm, I'm in a cabin in order to write a book, I have to be at a cabin in, in the woods, in silence and stillness. And that's, first of all, like, that's the only way I can do it. And therefore I must do it all alone. Like this, you know, these, these two pieces kind of come together. Right. So, and a big reason people believe that is because the publishing industry is an outdated industry, operates in an outdated model where an author must write, must do the work on their own. And then they come to the table and they must sell a publisher on their book. And they must, you know, so it's all about like, what do they need to hear from me? What do they want from me? What do they, there's no, it's, there's no support for authors. I mean, there is support, but many people are unaware of the fact that there is support throughout that whole process. So the first thing is realize that you do not have to do it alone. It truly takes a village. And I would like to say, I'm going to give an example because I'm, you know, this audience is, is an entrepreneurial audience. Um, you can build a business to a point by yourself, no mentorship, no coaching, no staff, no team, nothing just by yourself to a point, but to build a truly sustainable, beautiful, enriching business, you at the very least need, you know, the support of a network, right? There's you, you, there's some support out there. It's you're not just doing it in a vacuum. Well, it's the exact same thing with a book. It's get yourself a, an expert support, get like, get expert support find a writing group, right? Like if that, that's your network, that's your community, find, you know, find support because you do not have to do it alone. And in fact, just like you can't have a conversation by yourself, you can't truly write a book, a great book when it's just you in your own head. Because think about how much you clarify your ideas when you talk to somebody else. Think about how much, you know, when you, when you come to your coach and you're like, okay, I've got this problem that I'm dealing with. And as soon as you start talking about it, it, the path becomes clear. And all of a sudden, you know what the next step is and you know what the answer is. So this is really the first thing is realize that you do not have to do it alone. And in fact, doing it alone is a mistake or attempting to do it alone is a mistake. And it will it will inhibit you it will hold you back it will most likely result in you not succeeding and not finishing the book and the other part of that is you do not need to be in a cabin in the woods totally isolated i mean yes go rent an airbnb and get away from your family for a weekend maybe <laughs> maybe you know but there are so many ways to fit the writing in you just have to ask yourself that better question instead of like, how am I supposed to find the time for this? It's how can I find, you know, an extra 30 minutes in my day, right? How can, how can I make this happen instead of all the reasons that I can't make it happen? 
I mean, this is just right. It's it's the same. It's the same wisdom that we hear over and over again, and we just need to apply it to our books. So, when you feel like you're you're being pulled or called to bring a book into the world, start by seeking support and by looking at your life and all like write down all the reasons why you think you can't do it all the things that are coming up for you all those limiting beliefs all those resistance all those you know things of resistance i don't have enough time seriously how much time do you spend scrolling on social media i mean this is always you know always the example right how much time do you spend in the you know in the school pickup line the limiting belief i hear all the time is i'm not a great writer and that's where I come in with the, it doesn't take a great writer to write a great book because great writing happens in editing. <laughs> great writing doesn't happen in getting it out on paper. You must have a, a big idea and commitment to see it through. That's it. That's all you need. Everything else, everything else can come. Everything else can happen. Every, even if you don't even know how to take that big idea and form it into anything, that's where you get support. That's where you get help. And you work with somebody who can pull that out and help you see the structure of it and help you see how it can most effectively be turned into a conversation, right? Like we're going to take your subject, your idea, and build that framework of the structure. And then you're going to sort of just like dump your words into it. And it's going to be pretty bad. And that's actually how it's supposed Mm. to be. What I see anecdotally is because books are so ubiquitous in a way that even like movies and TV aren't, I don't know. It's just, we, we have them, we hold them, we read them and we read them very linearly, right? We start at page one and we read to the end. Usually, I mean, you know, I'm like, still, you're seeing this finished product, 10 out of 10 cases. I think people do not understand that the book wasn't just written like that. That book that we're reading is the is the result of a village coming together to work on a book, first of all, and of, of possibly years of writing and editing and changing and fixing and moving. And that is what results in the books that you're reading. Somebody didn't just sit down and start writing page one and then write forward and then and then here's the book. That doesn't happen. Literally, I mean, that's literally not how it works. So don't hold yourself to some standard that says that that's what, that I'm not a great writer because I don't sound like any of these published books. I don't understand why we, why we tell this lie to ourselves, but it's an interesting psychology because it, you know, it's the same as saying like, I can't start my business because look at Jen's business. It's so beautiful. And she has all this structure and she has these systems in place and blah, blah, blah. Like everything's, you know. She's got this gorgeous website. So therefore I can't start a business right? because it's not going to look right. like that. No, we understand that Jen's business started looking a little different <laughs> and she built that. Right. Yeah. So, and you know, what's coming up for me too, that I think is something everybody can also just own is this 
feeling of perfection, like having to have things perfect, which I believe is one of the biggest excuses we can lean on and also the biggest points of procrastination. And this, this idea that, oh, well, I just, I want things to be done perfectly. Well, doesn't that sound lovely? And isn't that a great way to not get something done? But I am really hearing from you. So is this like your course permission to publish? Is this, is this what you're teaching in that course of realizing you don't need to have everything figured out in order to get started. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a big piece of it. And then what I also cover, and this is a a free mini course, you know, it's not designed to be something that you spend weeks and months on. It's designed to, to consume it, to make some decisions and to get into action. And so it's about you giving yourself, you know, permission to publish. If this is the, is this the right next step? And if yes, this is what you like, get going, give yourself permission to get going. And, um, so it's, it's that. And then I also, um, I also take people through, uh, three important considerations, you know, things that you can look at to say, okay, yeah, I, I have that. I have that in place. So if I can say yes to that, then it might be time to write a book. Like this might be, this might be the next step for you. Sort of the most important one for me is that you have the ability to contribute to the conversation. But what that really means, do you have something to say that's different than what everyone else is saying? Do you have a different perspective? Do you have a different voice, right? Do you have something new to add? Or are you in that place in your business and your thought leadership where you're really just, you haven't really established that thought leadership level where you're still really just figuring out what you believe and how you do what you do. And you're still trying to find your voice and you're still trying to understand what it is that you have to say, right? If you're still in that space where you're kind of saying what the industry is saying and just doing what everyone else is doing, there's nothing wrong with that. We all have to go through that journey in order to get to the point where we have an opinion and we have a voice and we have a perspective that's unique and different. And so if you're not to that point yet, then any book you bring out is really going to be more like content. It's not going to be adding to a conversation because it's you, you, you're not in that place where you have something to truly give. That what you have to truly give can literally just be, you know, maybe you are a woman in an industry that's male dominated, and so your perspective on things or the voice that you have, and you you get to be that image so that other women can can read that book and see, oh, I'm a woman and I can invest money. What? I don't have to rely on men or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So it can just be your voice, right? Like your voice is distinct and different and needs to be heard. And people need to hear that, you know, people need to have access to that part of the conversation. So, um, that's one of the most important things that I cover in permission to publish, because to me, that's, those are the types of books I want to read. Those are the types of books I want to publish. Those are the types of books I believe that we need more of. And I think I believe that we need less of everything that's superficial and noisy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a lot of people, especially like 2020 ish, maybe even 2019, were just writing books because they thought that would solidify their business, that would be the catalyst to more. And I feel like there was just a lot of stuff coming out without a lot of thought. And Again, I don't want to discourage somebody. I mean, something's better than nothing, but I do really like the way you described it, where if you're still in the newness of discovering yourself and your voice, 
that, allow that to take some time, allow it to percolate so that you have something of high value. And I also really loved, I picked up earlier in the conversation. It's so interesting. You said this is to write a book. You do not have to go to a cabin and be by yourself for an extended period of time to write. When you said that, I actually felt my body relax because every author I witness that's what they tell you. Like I think of Robin Sharma. I love his books. I love the way he writes personal growth into a story. I find it just like, I just love his books and I love his way of writing, but I always see him taking off to this little tiny villa in, in Rome or going off into South Africa and being in the middle of the wilderness to write. And I think as a mom of four, running multiple streams of income and, you know, wanting to have a happy marriage. <laughs> I don't think I can do something like that. And if I did, that would take such a big discussion and such a, in a way, a sacrifice of my family in order to create that, that I don't know I'm willing to make. So when you said that, I was like, oh my goodness, this makes so much sense. And when you said it, I was like, it's common sense, but for some reason we've been swooned into this idea that we have to go somewhere away from the world in order to create. You're saying while you're sitting in the lineup waiting for your kids, get up a half an hour earlier, you know, uh, go to bed a half an hour later stop scrolling and start writing. And I, what I also love about you is I'm sensing you help project manage that. So it's like, here's what needs to be done next, which holds accountability. So I know for me, if I wanted to write a book, not only would I want to be told what to do, like I like to be bossed up from time to time, boss me up, manage (laughs) me here and tell me this needs to be done because I'm very good and studious at that. It's like, I know something has to be done, but I also love the accountability. Like Michelle's telling me I need to get this, this, and this done by next week. It will get done. And also I don't have to do all the thinking. I'm not clouding my vision. I'm not clouding the energy of the book by trying to figure this out. Instead, I get to lean on you. You have this really cool thing called book in a day. So can you in fact do some, a book in a day? Tell me about this. Okay. So it's a book plan. And so it's, and it is a, it's two, two hour sessions. So, you know, maybe a day, maybe those are two, two hour sessions on different days, but it's essentially, um, it's massively accelerating the time that you're spending in the planning phase while at the same time actually like doing the work that you really need to do in the, like that you need to do in the planning phase. And part of the reason we can do it so effectively is because of that word we, it's that collaboration, right? Which um, underpins everything that I do is all about collaboration. And so again, just think about, um, think about how much more effective you are at planning and ideating, like coming up with ideas and and mining your ideas when you are speaking them. When someone else is helping pull those things out of you and is saying, okay, so now because that, you know, doing the strategy of like, okay, so she, she said this, I need to, like, I'm going to dig into that a little bit more. You're letting me do that. And you're just, I mean, I did one of these the other day and she was like, this is so fun. <laughs> so yeah, it gets to be fun. It doesn't have to be this heavy thing. And so, so the book plan in a day, um, I'm going to try not to go down too much of a rabbit hole here. Cause this is another soapbox that I've got. Um, 
many, many, many people who do want to write books are told that, okay, so, you know, uh, let me pause for a second, nonfiction books. So it's a different process for fiction. Um, but so we're talking about nonfiction books here. So people who want to write nonfiction books are a hundred percent of the time told that the first thing that they need to do is write a book proposal because in traditional publishing, the way that you get a traditional book deal with a publisher is by completing a book proposal, which is like a 50 to 75 page document, sending that to agents. Once an agent signs you, so you know, you're basically selling your book idea to agents. Once someone is willing to bite, you get signed on with an agent. And then that book proposal might get, you might do a little massaging of the book proposal with your agent. And then the agent is taking that book proposal and and pitching it to publishers. And so that's the process of that. And so, and then once you have a publisher and somebody buys, you know, is, is signed on to, to buy your book and you have a book deal, you go back and finish the manuscript. So that's kind of how that process works. And so a book proposal is what they say is the first thing you must do. But here's the thing that really bothers me about it. A book proposal is the equivalent of a pitch deck. And so it, this is a document that really like mines into your, into your book, right? It's, it, there's a lot there. And most people are going to spend three, six, nine months working on this, usually by themselves, right? Because there's not a ton of support out there during that part of the process. And I mean, people literally spend a year working on this <laughs> and it's, it's a marketing plan. It's an annotated table of contents. It's, casting the vision for your book and what it could be and showing that you can sell it. And it's all of these different pieces, right? Which is also funny because it's like, how are you supposed to know how to market a book if you've never marketed a book before? <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so it's, it's all of this work that you put into it, but it's all from the lens of what do I need to say to get somebody to bite? Right. It's what do I need to say to sell this thing? It is all external. So a book proposal is one, it is a, it is a pitch deck. So it is exactly like doing a pitch for investors in your business. And it's this outward focus, which just really bothers me. And Jen, you know this, because we have this conversation, you know, the, some, one of the things about entrepreneurship that I find to be kind of frustrating sometimes is how often we're told to look outside of ourselves for validation and approval and answers. And I have a, I personally have a very hard time with that. I know that that's one of the reasons we resonate because you agree with this. It's <laughs> that looking outside of ourselves. And so what if you took all of that time and energy that you spent looking outside yourself and trying to prove your book's worth on actually writing your book? And so in four hours, we plan, we create a plan for your book. So think more like a business plan, right? So a business plan is a document that, yeah, you might use to take, you know, to take to a bank to get a loan, right? But really it's a document that is used to establish the structure and the function of your business. And it establishes how you're going to market and how you're going to sell. And, but it also, it casts the vision. It sets your values. It sets your mission. It's, it's the place where you really get to think through what your business is going to be. 
And that's what a book plan does. It thinks through what your book gets to be. It also, one of the most important things that we talk about is how you're actually going to get it done. And so you, you have this roadmap to all the things you need to know to not only like take, you go from idea to, to like, by the end of that session, you can see how you can see the actual book Mm. and you can see like why you're writing it, who you're writing it for, how you're going to market and sell it, who you're going to, I mean, it's, it's everything. It's very comprehensive. Now it's also, um, totally customized, right? So it's really, it's, it's, you know, in some ways sort of like a, like an in-depth strategy, like a strategic roadmap for your book. And so, and, and your whole book project. So it's slightly dependent on where you are and what you what your book needs and what your goals are, right? We, I obviously take that into account, and that's what guides us. And it's really like an interview process where I'm asking you questions and you're just speaking, and I'm making, you know I'm taking note of everything, and I'm asking the right questions and I'm leading and guiding you through that. Um, but when we talk about how you're actually going to get it done. One of the things that we talk about, which this is just like, as you were, you were saying that whole, you know, the cabin in the woods and the, how am I actually going to get this thing done when I have a full life already? That's one of the things we look at is, okay, so how are you going to write most effectively? Maybe for you writing, which I'm saying in air quotes here, writing might look like speaking into a into a voice recorder. That is a perfectly legitimate way of drafting a manuscript. So we talk through that. What could this process look like for you? And I help you figure out, like I help, I help you take your vision from this like narrow tunnel vision, which is what is, I think, really the reason why most people are scared of writing, of writing their book, right? Is they have this tunnel vision about the way that it must look. It has to look like this, right? And I crack that open and expand your perspective and expand your sense of what's possible for you and what it can look like for you. And then I put that down on paper and hand you a detailed plan, a detailed roadmap that you can, you can follow on your own. You can choose to use that and, and come into the Chambre Bleu press containers and write with us and, you know, write and publish your book with us. Whatever you want to do with that document, it is yours to use as like the framework and the structure that you build your whole book project on top of. Mm-hmm. And it is so beautiful. And to me, it is so much more valuable than a proposal. Um, and I will like, I, that's, that's me putting my stake in the ground. I have a very hard time with, um, with book proposals and how many people spin their wheels for months and years on the book proposal because it's so intimidating because it has to be a certain way. And you said something else to me during conversation that I think is important is you said, and then you spend all this time on a proposal for a book, but a year from now, you're a different version of yourself. So that very proposal you've worked on for the concept, it doesn't even sometimes, it's like almost expired by the time you get to write the book because you've spent so much time just proposing it. And I thought that was, oh, that's like gold information and wisdom. Because if we're not writing and allowing ourselves just to go into the idea and share our voice and spend all the time on, you know, promoting it, gosh, will we ever get it done? Like, I don't know. And I'm sure there are people who are, and I'm sure there's some people who have had great experiences, but I, 
I feel as someone who has thought about writing a book and considered it, this to me just feels like I can take a deep breath. I feel assured and confident. I feel available to, to start and encouraged. So thank you so much for doing that. If someone wanted to write a book proposal or have more information about publishing a book, how do they find you? Where do they go? Okay. So, um, I am most active on Instagram and it's just Michelle Fishering. Shoot me a DM, say, Hey, listen to this podcast. Curious about writing a book. What do I do first? Um, I feel deeply called to help ease some of that resistance around writing. I truly, truly believe this is not just lip service that the, that the world and by the world, one person in the world, one person, but probably a lot more, one person needs the book that you're, that you have on your heart to write in the way that you will write it. If I can give you that one piece of information that can keep you from spinning your wheels for the next three years, like I'm in. (laughs) So do not hesitate to reach out. Amen. So friends, I will link Michelle's contact information, Instagram, all of that in the show notes. You have it here. Reach out and I love how available you are to conversation. Thank you for being a leader who is inviting people in. I too, that's why I too am that person in the DMs. I know there's a lot of people who are not in their DMs and I, I love, I love supporting people and especially supporting people to get out of their own way. So thank you for doing that with books and many other things. That's just skimming the surface of who you are. (laughs) So thank you for being here, sweet friend. I love this conversation. I feel enlightened, empowered, encouraged. You're just the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was an honor. Thank you so much for being here. Your time and presence means the world to me. If you would be so kind to leave a five-star review so more people can learn about becoming iconic, that would be such an act of generosity. And please go download and read the newest version of the Becoming Iconic magazine available at becomingiconic.co.co. Now let's go make it a great day.